From the game gurus at Snakes and Lattes, you're listening to the Snakes Cast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Welcome to the Snakes Cast, everyone. I'm Jonathan Moriarty. I have been wanting to do this series ever since we first started doing the show. There's been a lot of good discussion lately about women and video games. It's been controversial and heated sometimes, but ultimately, I think it's healthy and necessary for game culture to talk about this. There's a little bit of study out there regarding females in tabletop role-playing games, but not so much about board games. If you visit Snakes and Lattes, you'll find that about half the customers in the cafe are female, usually. But it's commonly accepted wisdom that board games are very much a male-dominated hobby, and if you look at the names of the game designers on the boxes, you'll find less than one-half of one percent are female. Now, when I was researching this subject, I couldn't really find much in the way of marketing data or formal studies, but what I did find whenever the subject came up was a pretty wide diversity of opinion among female game players about what's fun to play, the wanted of a game, and what their experience has been like in tabletop game culture. So, in order to reflect that here, I've got twice as many co-hosts as usual. This might be a bit tricky, but my plan here is to keep my mouth shut more than usual, so hopefully that'll help. So introductions first. With me for this special series are budding game guru in training, Stella. Hello. Returning Snakes cast co-host, Mandy. Hey. And introducing Emily. Hi. And returning Snakes and Lattes alumna, Crystal. Hello. Thank you so much for being here, everyone. No problem. Pleasure. Could you just introduce yourselves briefly and tell us a little bit about your experiences with games and your experiences with people who play them and the whole culture around board games from childhood up through high school and finally what kinds of games you most enjoy today? Uh, yeah, okay. Well, um, my first experience with board games, I guess, as a child, I come from a working class background, which meant weekends in my family were uh, playing cards till two o'clock in the morning at various aunts and uncles' houses. So the adults would be smoking, drinking, playing euchre, and the kids would be at a smaller table somewhere, uh, usually Monopoly, Clue, Scrabble, Life. Uh, whether or not we finished any of the games we started is uh, debatable, but that's kind of how I started over. Uh, started out with gaming. Um, preteen started, you know, going to sleepovers, playing Mall Madness, Girl Talk. Uh, I'm sure it's similar for you girls. Um, had a friend in school who had a beat up copy of Hero Quest. That yeah, that I really got into. Uh, we played that a lot. Dabbled in magic. As a teenager, I kind of went to uh, video games as a teenager and stopped playing board games except for the occasional Clue. I, I think Clue has always been near and dear to my heart because Clue is the first game where I actually realized that there was strategy to board gaming when I realized that you could actually accuse your own cards and trick people. <laughs> uh, that was great. I remember a whole summer of people just destroying everybody with Clue because <laughs> nobody could catch on to that. Um, you think that uh, sort of a form, uh, sort of was a formative experience that led to how what you enjoy today in games? As yes, well? definitely. Definitely. Uh, thematic. Um, I, I still like mystery games. I still like really detailed boards. Um, I like the historical component of it. It definitely still informs what I like today. In my late 20s, I met someone who uh, was a, who played board games, played a lot of video games, but he got me introduced to Arkham Horror, Ticket to Ride, mm -hmm. so strategy games, and you know, most of the games that are popular at Snakes. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, and then Snakes. So. I still consider myself kind of very new though, because there is only a handful of games um, that I do play. 
So. But your experience with games goes way back, though. Yes, yes, definitely. Okay, thanks, Crystal. So, uh, Mandy, we've met you before, but uh, not in a lot of detail. We've had a little bit about your experiences with games. Well, I'm well, I'm Mandy. Hey, nice to see you guys <laughs> again. Hear you. Um, my my gaming experience is very similar to Crystal's. I was, as I've said before, I was weaned on the classics. We played uh, Yahtzee, Clue, uh, Monopoly. We weren't allowed to play Risk. We played the Game of Life, <laughs> and um, I think that very much styled the kind of games that I like now. Um, but as is unfortunate with many preteens, I I had a little bit of absence from board games because I didn't think they were cool and they weren't girly enough. I mean, of course, we played Girl Talk and possibly Mall Madness, but uh, generally it devolved into more like Truth or Dare, and that was my gaming life for maybe like 10 years. And then I started just embracing my nerdiness and um, playing video games a lot on Zelda and Warcraft, um, and that kind of brought me back into board games. And then I started watching Tabletop, which... Uh, kind of introduced me in a safe way to games. I could be like the voyeur watching people play, but not necessarily playing myself. And then I kind of gravitated towards snakes and lattes, and now I really like games. And, and because of my experience with like the game of life, I like games with a lot of narrative, and I also like abstract movie games like that. And so that's, that's me. Neat. Next. Hi, I'm Stella. Um, I'm somewhat similar in that uh, I also grew up, I actually come from a Quebecois background. So there's a lot of like poker, mm-hmm. a lot of card games, a lot of, my family would sit around, they'd put the kids to bed or they'd tell the kids go on and play in the basement and they'd sit around and play poker for hours and hours and hours and they would be playing or just finishing up when we woke up. So it was a big card sort of background. But at the same time, uh, slowly we started getting into games like Scrabble. I played Scrabble with my mother. Um, we would play uh, games like Wizard. I don't know. Trick-taking game, nasty yeah. piece of work. It's like uh, sort of like Oh Hell, but with some extra cards yeah. <laughs> that make things a little bit yeah. more interesting. And like Euchre with my family, mm-hmm. things like that that were basically based around cards. It was always cards. There's never something about um, the characters or anything. It was always about playing yeah. cards and putting things down and taking things and about betting and things like that. Nothing, nothing with a story. Exactly or right. Yeah. So I never, I never understood that that gaming could get into stories until uh, I was in university, and my roommates next door had this game called Catan. I'm sorry for being cliche, <laughs> but they did and, and they were playing it and I was like what is this like board game that wasn't Monopoly, it wasn't Clue, it wasn't Risk. I'd played all those but there was something else and I could tell they were getting so into it and I was really excited by it so I asked them to play and that was my first entry as it is, I know it's cliche, into like the board game playing where you really get, you really get invested in it and you, and you play along and from there I literally went to Snakes and Lattes and was like, I, I'm interested in, like, I love, I love sitting down and playing a game because it's interactive and because it's with people and, and I love the idea. And then I found out, like, you could be a character and you could play this game and you could lie, cheat, and steal <laughs> and play a game. And it's like, I got really interested that way. Um, so yeah, and then I got moved on to games like, I love things like Bang. I love things like Cockroach Poker. I love things where you get to, like, fly a little because in my real life I'm like I, I try and be really honest and try and be a nice person when you're playing you can be like this is a roach or whatever <laughs> and like you, you can you can play that side of yourself but in real life you can't so that makes me really excited excellent alright and hey I'm Emily and listening to you guys talk about it made me realize that I have absolutely nothing in common with any of you in terms of gaming experience <laughs> Diversity of opinion, that's what we're after. I don't know if it's because I'm 
younger than all of you, but board games were never sort of really a part of my life growing up. My father was really into computers, so all of the stuff that he sort of like pawned off to my brother and I were all computer games. So I grew up playing a lot of sort of, you know, find the clues, do the math problems, solve the word puzzle computer games. Um, and my mom, who is definitely a little bit more on the sort of like artsy side, doesn't like board games for some reason. I don't know why, I always thought she would. And I keep trying really, really hard to turn her on to them, but she just flat out refuses. So um, I never really played that many board games as a child. I played a lot of cards, again, like much like Stella, but not with my family, with my classmates. We would sit around at recess and play cards, play games like President and like Rummy and stuff like that. And yeah, mostly cards. I think we had a beat up copy of Scrabble in my basement somewhere and a few chess sets, but that was about it. Did and they ever actually come out under the table? Scrabble, probably. Probably Scrabble a few times. I made a lot of puzzles, so I made a lot of puzzles when I was little, and I played a lot of, so I, yeah, I played a lot of computer games, and I made a lot of puzzles. And then I played a lot of cards once I got to elementary school with my friends, and then sort of, um, Snakes and Lattes was probably like my first experience with like serious board games, really? like board game, yeah, like even like the classics. Like I think I, I recall playing Clue maybe like once, maybe twice. And the Game of Life, my first experience with the Game of Life, was one of those stupid CDs that come in cereal boxes. <laughs> I remember those. Yeah, Stella's giving me this look of complete shock and disdain <laughs> right now, but it's true. I mean, it makes me feel old as hell. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was like nine and they were giving away like computer versions of board games in cereal boxes and that was my first experience with the game of life which is pathetic right it's so pathetic well, better late than never yeah yeah it's not pathetic it's just a thing it's really interesting because it's like i was 16 or something when the cd wrong started coming out and ha like i didn't have the now computer you're making me feel <laughs> into. i'm like i still have floppy drives when they started giving that stuff in cereal boxes it's like i don't know well, one of the things about games is that you, you can't play them alone. You need somebody to play them with. And if you're in a sort of an environment where there aren't other people who play games, you don't get to play games unless you've got them on a CD. The funny thing about the CD version of the Game of Life is that I actually played it with like five other girlfriends in a sleepover, and we were all crowded, all, crowded around this desktop computer, taking turns, playing the Game of Life. And Was it fun? No. Ah. I think we got maybe like 20 minutes into it, and we're like, this sucks. Can we, can we play boys? What, <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? Where's Dreamphone? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and Dreamphone is not even a thing A few of you started playing games when you were younger right. and got out of them and then came back to them later on or, or switched to playing different forms of games like video games or role-playing games, this sort of thing. Um, do you think these patterns are, are very common for girls and women in this culture? Where, where, and if so, where do they come from? I think just like from watching television and reading books and just the media in general, as soon as I hit puberty around that time, like games weren't really just something that you would do with your family to pass the time and have fun. Suddenly you had these gender roles that kind of mysteriously appeared and I, I had to start playing girl talk and I had to play mash and these were just things that were kind of expected and you didn't really question them, although you probably should at some point. About how old were you when that started to Around, work? oh, I would say like grade seven, so maybe like 13. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'd say that's sort of around puberty, even before puberty. I'd say sort of like if, if we're saying that media has sports in a specific age range, like there's media directed towards, you know, like three to four year olds and, you know, five, seven year olds and stuff, probably I'd say around the time that media starts being made for maybe like 10, 11 year old girls, suddenly it's less about sort of like quests and doing fun things with your friends, and then suddenly it's all about boys yeah. and shopping and all these sort of activities that are very, very 
stereotypical for women. So um, there's no more appeal in, in games and in board games if there's no element of like, well, who am I going to date? Who am I going to crush on? Who's going to like call me from the mall phone booth? Yeah, we're no longer spending our resources pretending to do horses or, you know, Sailor Moon or Power Rangers. We were spending it playing MASH and figuring out which boys liked us. So what about um, creating your own games? Do you ever make up your own games to play? Uh, I mentioned before the, the dearth of female game designers on, on the shelves at Stokes and Lattes. I remember, I vaguely remember in grade five where we had a group project where we had to make a video, uh, sorry, make a board game. Um, and I, again, vaguely remember it being modeled on Life or Clue or a Monopoly, something where you had a piece that you had to move X amount of spaces and you know, make some kind of, pick a card and, you know, do something based on that. We'd call that a uh, track game or a roll and move game in okay, terms of yes. uh, snooty game parlance. Yeah, and um, as far as, it's funny, I never really thought of the connection um, until now we were talking about, you know, when I was talking about Clue and do, did, does that inform how I play games now? But I do remember when I was younger, uh, my cousin and I, female cousin, Jessica, were really into, and none of you ladies are going to remember this at all, but gentlemen, you might. Um, it was definitely geared towards boys. There was never a girl in the commercial, but Spy Tech. It was a series of toys for children that there was a fingerprint kit. There was sunglasses with mirrored sides so you could see behind you. There was a uh, UV light of some sort that you could track. Boy, um, now I feel old. That sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a series. That, that was a thing, like, forever. I think it may have started with, with you, but I mean, okay. like, again, like, I'm significantly younger than you are, and that And you was remember those toys. Yeah. Okay, yes. And maybe not them specifically, but there was always sort of a series of toys that was all about sort of being spy-like and deceitful. Yeah, and that just reminds me, and I'm just thinking, like, oh, I really have been in a niche my whole life with <laughs> gaming and imagination, because I really do gravitate towards that sort of gendered male. I think I am um, like growing up as sort of an artist type and uh, trying to like I really wasn't interested in it. I went to sleepovers and things and everyone took out their girl talk and I was like are you serious? Like I was not <laughs> interested. I legit was like this is silly. What are we doing here? And the games I wanted to play I don't know if you guys remember and I don't remember what they're called but they're sort of uh, they're like the Dada games which I know them as now like Art-based games where you do you pull the paper, you write a sentence, and then somebody else yes. writes yes. a yes. story. Yes. 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 a corpse, or, yes. eat, or eat poop, you cat. Is yes. that yes. the name of the? So those were the games I was interested in because I was like, oh, like let's talk about our feelings and let's find out, or or Ouija boards, mm -hmm. or those were the games I was interested in because it was about, it was about let's talk about our subconscious and stuff. And as a <laughs> silly like thirteen-year-old who thought it was going to be some kind of an artist. That's what I wanted to do. I was like, let's play these games. Let's like burn candles and, and make art together in the way you know how as a 13-year-old. Yeah, and I wish I was friends with you when I was 13, <laughs> seriously. It sounds a lot like sort of avant-garde role-playing games. Uh, you into RPGs? Absolutely. Um, I didn't even know what that acronym meant wow. until a few years ago. But then I realized I was. But it was it was, an, it, it was not in a, an established way. I never bought anything that told me what character to be or, or what choices I had, it was, okay, so the couch is is the the safe landmass and the ground is the lava, oh, but if you touch here, it, it you get this superpower and you get to like 
talk to the wizard. And then if you can find the thing, then you get the um, burn-proof shoes. And like, I make the rules myself. I, I didn't even realize there was something out there that made those rules for you. That is absolutely the appeal of role-playing games. Yeah. Do, do you think I wish you worked at a daycare. That would be amazing. <laughs> or were an elementary school teacher. Yeah. Sorry. Do you think that, uh, that role-playing games and video games, either or, would be more or less inviting? For, uh, for you and do you think generally for girls and women in our culture? I think that they love them, but I think there's a stigma attached to them that they naturally just shy away from because they think, oh, role-playing, that's necessarily like Dungeons and Dragons or like something that I wouldn't like at all. But I think it's something that's very in tune to what girls do at that age. They just don't realize it. Uh, when I was in high school, we would get together. We a group of us got into vampire in a really big way. Yeah, so the masquerade, this, exactly. That yeah. game really sort of changed role playing games. Think, it, it was a new wave of role playing games based less on accomplishment and more on drama, mm-hmm. and characters and stories and so on. It changed everything. It was great, but now that I look back on it, and I think I remember that there was probably about thirty of us that played. Probably about maybe six of us were girls. And we were definitely always, I remember being really excited about, you know, thinking all week about what my character was going to do and what my powers were and all these kind of interesting things. But I remember that the girls were always secondary. We weren't the main characters. We weren't the main, you know, the plot wasn't driven by us. We were kind of just... Were the narrators, the game masters in those games, were they male? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, what, so, what about video games then? Do you think that that's? Uh, did you play more of those when you were kids? Do you think that more? Oh, tons. I played all the classics: Mario, Super Mario, lots of Zelda, um, even Doom or Duke Nukem, all those things. But all of them were boys. Um, not until I got into my early twenties and I started playing World of Warcraft that I played a game that had a girl, a girl who was kind of awesome and what about tough. Lara? What about I didn't actually ever play that. Okay. But maybe I would have had a different opinion. But um, yeah, lots of video games. What about Samus? But, um, <laughs> for, anyways, I have an actual point to make on board games. I'm sure. just going to sort of like name drop things on. Uh, I find that there's a there's definitely a stigma attached to women doing things alone. And I think that might relate to some role playing games, especially those done online. Um, I mean, like, I, I never really played board games, video games growing up, uh, but we did have a few consoles, but it was mostly my brother that did them. And I feel that if I, if I spent an afternoon playing video games in my basement, my parents would get concerned because that's not what little girls do. They go out and they play with their friends. And it's 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 a different kind of stigma because it's not actually related to any sort of like pinkness or boyness or mall shoppingness, but it's it's sort of like a social thing. I feel that it's definitely way more unacceptable for little girls to do things alone. Even like reading and stuff. Like I, I was a big reader when I was a kid and I would read and I'd read and I'd read and I'd read and my parents are like, what are you doing? Go play with someone or, you know <laughs> be social it's like it's it's not okay for little girls to be introverts anymore um as a as a burlesque performer i actually have a really interesting relationship with uh, nerd culture which to me is mostly video games and comic books um, board games sometimes factor into that but very rarely um also old television where it's like it's now really cool to be a nerd it's really interesting because I, I literally feel left out a lot of times working at Snakes and also being in burlesque culture where it's like this thing where like they do whole shows based on Doctor Who or Game of Thrones or video games or things that I'm like really know I don't really know about that you know like I grew up doing dance and literature and like whatever and there's no there's no burlesque shows about that but like I feel like nerd culture 
things to do with board games and video games and stuff is now really acceptable. And maybe it has to do with the fact that the women and all of these things have a really, really easy way to be sexy about it. have a really easy way to be, like, cavalier about it. And not knowing about that has become uncool, where maybe 15 years ago knowing about it was uncool. It's interesting how I le legitimately feel like that has shifted. Yeah, I feel it's just it's another series of double standards for women. I mean, like, five years ago, ew, like, you're, you play video games? That's gross. You shouldn't do that. You're a mm, Ten you years ago. Five years five, ago. Ten. Yeah. Yeah. Even even recently in certain circles, but then now it's like, what do you mean you don't play video games? Yeah. That's terrible. So you can't, you can never win. I mean, in some groups you're going to be applauded for participating in, in feminine hobbies, and in other ones you're going to be bashed for not. So who knows what it's going to look like twenty years from now? <laughs> but uh, for the time being, that uh, that'll have to do for our introduction. That's it for our first episode in the series. Next week we're going to talk about the stereotypes of female game players and what women supposedly want. Thank you so much for listening. Until then, this is Jonathan, Estella, Nandy, Emily, and Crystal. And thanks for listening. We'll have a new Snakescast for you every week at snakesandlattes.com. In the meantime, you can follow us through your favorite social networking sites, such as Facebook and Twitter, or best of all, meet our gurus in person at Snakes and Lattes in Toronto. Until then, this is P.T. Douglas. Game on.